0: This is episode one of Politics and Porn Star Martinis with Brooke Walton and Marley Predue. We're discussing racism in America, performative activism, and police brutality.
1: Hey, um, hi, my name is Marley Perdue. Um, I'm going into my second year at Exeter University and I'm studying politics and sociology. Um, and I am from America, so I'm an international student and I'm happy to be here.
0: So, the first question. From what I've seen, I think that America is very overtly racist. They're not as afraid to use racial slurs and stereotype people based off of their race, whereas in the UK, I feel like they're more undercover racist, if you will. While some people are blatant racist, I think most of them know what they think is wrong and don't want to be open and tell people what their beliefs are because of the backlash that they think they'll face. Um, so my question is have you experienced any racism in the US or the UK and unfortunately if you have in both are there any differences you've noticed between the countries
1: yeah so I honestly think you got it like totally spot on like from my own experiences I felt that in America totally right very overtly racist um, no shame in speaking their mind and using racial slurs everything like that Whereas I think that in the UK, obviously I've only been there for a year. I mean, I've gone like every summer um, since I was little. So I definitely spent plenty of time over there. But I think like as a whatever, 18, 19 year old being over there, especially in this political climate, I've been a lot more aware to actually like how I've been treated as a black person. So I definitely have experienced racism um, in the US. For me, I, so I live in New Jersey and I live in a very, it's like, this supposed to be this liberal, like progressive bubble, which is a little bit ironic because just last week we actually had a very serious, like race racist incident. Like just you know in my very town, and everyone's like, "How could this happen? In this liberal bubble. We're so progressive, whatever." And so that's just obviously all you know, complete crap. of it's happening on every, literally every single person's doorstep, so yes, considering I come from this very diverse town, um, I have experienced racism here. Um, And I think for me, in the US, um, I have experienced a lot of microaggressions, which like at the time, I, you know, you kind of play it off as a joke, like, oh, it's not a big deal. But I think looking back on it now, um, for my younger self, like that was very influential. And now I'm like, that was racist. And I didn't say anything at the time, because... I didn't think anything of it so like growing up in school so I'm actually mixed race my dad is from Haiti and my mom is um from England so I am mixed race but it doesn't matter what I think I am what I identify as the world is going to see me as a black girl and that's just the way it is and same with my younger brother um so in school I got a lot of microaggressions if people wanted to touch my hair um because I have very curly hair and I always hated my hair and I was younger as so I just wanted shave it off I just want straight hair like my mom and I want blonde hair like I hate my curls um and at the time you know I thought that was not a big deal but now looking back I'm like that is because of the climate around me that is because all of my friends had straight hair I stuck out I didn't want to stick out you know everyone was always touching my hair and being like oh my god like your hair is so naughty like you know like yeah there's all these little things that like build up that I'm like you know what that's really influenced me now I got a lot of like oh, you're like an Oreo because you're black on the outside, but you act white on the inside. What does that mean to act white? You know, I got that a lot through middle school. Um, And I always felt like I was having a huge identity crisis, especially in middle school, because all of my friends um, were white. And um, like the group of black girls at my middle school, I wasn't friends with them. They didn't seem to accept me. They always said that I was too white to be friends with them, like, despite the color of my skin. Um, I always got a lot of comments on how, oh, you're so well-spoken, you're so eloquent, like, you speak like a white girl. Still not really sure what that means to this day. But yeah, so I definitely experienced a lot of things at the time. It's crazy because, like, thinking back of it now, when I was, what, 13, 14 years old in middle school, I took these things as positives like if someone told me oh you're so well spoken you speak like a white girl like oh you're like an oreo like you're white on the inside that was like confidence boosting for me like those were like affirmations that I was like I'm being accepted you know obviously like being well spoken like shouldn't be a bad thing but like as a black girl like that is you know harmful because it's what are you saying about all of black people they can't be well spoken you know so a lot of these microaggressions were definitely like very obvious to me and I didn't realize like how racist and how much they like, influenced me until like I was much older looking back on them. Um, but I always knew that there was something wrong with it. I just couldn't quite put my finger on like why it made me feel the way it did um, and kind of how to combat that. So yeah, definitely microaggressions are a big one um, in my experience. And then obviously like being over here racial slurs are, you know, being thrown all over the place very nonchalantly. So um, I have experienced that Um, not from anyone I know, um, but yeah, from like my my experience microaggressions have been very very prominent in my experience growing up. Um, As far as the UK, I think again, you were spot-on. It is definitely very uh, relevant over there. It's very present. There is racism, whether people want to accept that or not. But I do think that it is more kind of subtle and less overt than it is in America. Um, so like I haven't had any racial slurs like yelled at me or anything like that, but it's just, I mean, I wasn't aware of this for like a long time, but I think as I become more aware of it, I kind of notice like the way people look at me or the way people act towards me. Um, and I do find that while people might not like straight up say that they have a problem with me because of my race or something like that, like you can, you can almost like feel the energy. Like I feel like especially like as a black person, like growing up around this all and seeing it firsthand, it's like, you know, when someone has given you a certain look or, um, again, just like microaggressions, like, oh, like, oh, well, I mean, especially in America, I don't know how the system works like as well in the UK, but, um, for like applying to universities, I got a lot of comments on like, oh, like thank God for affirmative action. Like, because that would be the only way I would get in. And I was like, well, what about my grades and my extracurriculars and my sports and everything else I have to prove to get into university. And it was always put down to like, wow, like you're so lucky you have affirmative action. It's just like completely absurd. And, um, you know, so I've experienced things like that in the UK where it's like they won't actually say um what they're feeling, but you can kinda of tell in everything else they say that they have a problem with race and Yeah, there's a lot of underlying racism that I've experienced in both places, which is unfortunate that they come in all shapes and sizes, racism and microaggression.
0: Especially with um hairstyles yeah. and clothing and like trend things that like now white people are, you know, appropriating and but it's something that black people have been oppressed for, like you you speak white, but what yeah. does? How does that even make any sense? If you speak well, it's just I feel like it's just saying that you shouldn't speak well because you're black.
1: Exactly. Yeah, you, and that whole idea of like it's just the expectations. Like I don't expect you to be able to speak well and have a wide vocabulary and all these things. It's like, well, why wouldn't you? Like just because of the color of my skin, you're gonna assume that I speak solely in slang. You know that I can't <laughs> be well spoken, and that's you know that is upsetting and like for me I I always wear my hair like naturally like curly like I would straighten it like occasionally but I wear my hair curly most of the time um and it wasn't a huge problem for me but I have seen like black girls like wearing box braids and cornrows and things like that and just not getting the love and attention that they deserve for their hair and then you know the Kardashians come out with the same hairstyle and they're praised for it so it's totally you know parallels like they they did not come up with cornrows and bog braids, you know? People have been wearing these hairstyles for centuries, and that's just crazy.
0: Yeah, especially with the hair. A lot of, I know, I don't know which state it was, but I did read that there was a law where you couldn't be discriminated against um, black hairstyles, but that's, like, in one or a few states. Like, that's not... Yeah,
1: that is not... Universal so you can be
0: hired or... for a cultural hairstyle. Like, how is that? not racist. Yeah, you know? Um and also with the universities I think, especially Oxford and Cambridge. Um they are obviously very white. Exeter, Durham are, you know, mostly white population of students. Did you feel like when you applied to Exeter that your race would be play a part in if you were to get in or not?
1: Um yeah, I do think that It plays a part I think whether it plays a part in the application stage um or like once I get to you know actually going to the university um so as far as the application stage Exeter is definitely not a super diverse university like you can just tell that by stepping foot onto the campus and you can definitely feel that like as a black person like being on campus and being in the city it is not a diverse place at all um and a lot of the time I do not that people have made like purposely made me uncomfortable but you know just as anyone would like if you're a minority and you're at a place that is all white people like you are outed and you do feel uncomfortable and people do give you weird looks or are surprised that you're a student like I got that a lot like in high school um with like the um positions of leadership that I had people are like oh you're the president of that club and you're the president of student college all these things it's like why are you so surprised? Like, why is that so shocking to you? Um, So yeah, the uh, university college process uh, was very strange in that sense that especially in America where um, I got a lot of comments on affirmative action um, or like, oh, you're only going to get in because they need to set a minority quota. Like that hurts, like why would you say that to someone considering if you put transcripts side by side, maybe I do have a better credential, you know, than the person who sent you this. So it's just completely crazy. Um, and so as far as like applying to university, obviously, um, I would hope I, you know, I met the criteria, I met the grades, um, my extracurriculars, like it's not, I do believe, you know, I'd like to think that I got in on my own merit. Um, but it is hurtful when people say things like that.
0: Also, I've seen, especially on TikTok, um, people making videos um, on what to do if uh, the police pull you over or, you know, how you can get out of being arrested for no reason. So I just wanted to talk about how I've never been taught by my parents what to do if I get pulled over. Because first of all, why would I if I'm not, you know, I've been taught don't break the law. Then but, you won't be arrested so yeah. don't break the law um yeah so growing up white we never had a reason to not trust the police or believe that something bad could happen if the police did stop me and if for example I was caught speeding I'd get a ticket but that would be it and I'd be allowed to go about my day so I have strong beliefs and I'm also very loud when voicing my opinion if I don't agree with what someone's saying I don't have a problem in telling them like my point of view and you know I love debating with people and getting my point across so if the police were to pull me over in my car for no reason and you know I haven't done anything I'm not going to be happy I'm not going to be you know willing to have a conversation with someone when I haven't done anything wrong so I'd be frustrated and I would probably voice my frustration and you know ask why I've been pulled over I haven't done anything wrong and you know, if they were to tell me to get out of the car, I'd probably say why. I, you know, I'd probably cause confrontation because I don't think I've done anything wrong. So I don't think by doing that, I'd be putting my life at risk. I would. I feel like my frustration is valid given the circumstances. If I've not done anything wrong, then I feel like that that's my. I have freedom of speech to tell them that you know what they're doing is is wrong. And for black people, that's just not an option. If a police officer, say, for example, pulls you over and you've done nothing wrong, you know, from, you know, being educated on what I've seen now, is that you would go along with what they're saying. You'd tell, you know, if they asked you to get out of the car, you would. Whereas if I got asked to get out of the car, I'd say, well, why? Right. I'm not getting out of the car. I don't have to. I haven't done anything wrong. So... Talking back to officers, even when black people haven't done anything illegal, can still result in you know severe consequences for them. So I, one example is, I don't want to butcher his name, but Fernando Castile, yeah. who was only 32 when he died, so he was pulled over for a routine traffic stop in 2016 by Officer Yanez. Now, the police dashcam footage shows the police officer shooting Castile Seconds after, he informed the police he had a legal firearm. He was allowed to carry this gun, and the police shot him anyway. Um, He was asked for his licence and registration, so he obviously would go and get them. And as he went to get them, the officer told him not to pull the gun out, and he said, I'm not, but you want my papers, so what do you want me to do? So he reached for his papers, and the police officer shot him seven times. And he died. And in the car was also his girlfriend and his four-year-old daughter. Um. Not only did you know was a m- murder committed, but the officer was cleared of second-degree manslaughter. So he wasn't arrested or you know put in prison. You know, he got away free. And this isn't just one. I mean, this was in 2016, and it's 2020. So you know, there's plenty and hundreds more cases just like this one. And obviously this is why black lives matter because if what I'm saying is if that was me, that wouldn't have happened. Right. I would have just been pulled over or it's a routine traffic stop. Okay, fine, whatever. And then go on about my day. So growing up, were you ever spoken to about the police and what to do if you were stopped because you are black? Yeah. So, um,
1: I think this goes back to like my, specific like upbringing so obviously um she to living in this very diverse town and my parents never like explicitly said um here's what to do please pull you over and I was actually talking to my mom about this like recently and she was saying that like we didn't want to make you paranoid when you were younger um my parents kind of always had that belief I mean I think I don't want speak to them but whenever I talked to them about it they were they, well, when I was younger they never made it like super aware or they never made it a huge priority like talking about like our race, that we're mixed race, um, or whatever we identify as, or that, you know, the world's gonna see us as black. So I uh, like I see myself as mixed race. Um but at the end of the day it doesn't matter what I see myself as because if I get pulled over, the cop is not gonna care if I have a drop of, you know, white blood in me, I'm gonna be black to him, you know what I mean? So it's like things like that where like my parents um, never made it a big deal, um, growing up that, like, you're black. Here's what it's going to be like as a black person, um, in the world. And I think looking back, like seeing what's going on now, my parents do say, like, you know what? Maybe there's a problem in that. Maybe we should have, um, taught you from a younger age that, like, you're black. This unfortunately is a big deal. And here's what you might experience in the real world. But for me, I mean, obviously what they did. I appreciate them because I feel like I wasn't super aware of my race or I I was aware of my race, I wasn't aware that it was a big deal or that it was different. I mean I knew that I had white friends, but I didn't see myself as any different to them, you know? So I do like appreciate that kind of like shelter that like it doesn't matter what race you are, it's fine. We live in a diverse town, you can be friends with whoever you want, it's not a big deal. But growing up, I quickly realized that it would be a big deal, whether I liked it or not, whether my parents told me or not, and like obviously we do have these conversations Um, now in the house and um, it is a very big topic you know like at home and you can't avoid the fact that you are black in society Um, so yeah my parents never um, taught us about policing and what could happen um, when we were younger but like given everything that's been going on in the past whatever recently in the past couple of years um, they have had to address it and say you know, you know, we have had to have those difficult conversations where like we both we both know, me and my brother and my younger brother, that resisting um arrest can just get you into more trouble, can potentially get you killed or whatever threatened. Um and I remember the first time I've never gotten pulled over, but I remember I was driving with my dad and he got pulled over and whether I knew it I mean I was pretty young at the time, but whether I knew it or not, I knew I was very anxious about it. Like and I feel like some people are taught that like police are there to protect you, police are there to be your friend, and from that young age like i could I already knew that like why was I having anxieties about a police pulling my dad over, you know what I mean like so whether they explicitly told me or not, it was definitely I was very conscious of it already, you know that um there's a risk that getting pulled over something could happen um and so yeah, more recently, my parents have been just like very conscious about like informing us. Like literally the other day, my parents like sat me and my brother down and be like, we just want you both to know that if anything were to happen, make sure you get your phone out and start filming it immediately. Things like that. For my younger brother, he's fifteen. He's ridiculously tall. He's like whatever, six foot three or something like that. So he looks like like a man. You know what I mean? He doesn't look like a little boy and he's black and that is now, he's now considered a threat to society, obviously in quotes, which is just ridiculous as a 15 year old. And so my parents have had to say like, unfortunately you can't stay out with all your white friends past dark, wandering around town, whatever, skateboarding, doing whatever they do, you know, um, when it gets dark. My parents are like, you have to be home because we don't want you as a six foot two, six foot three black man wandering around town. Because you could get into trouble just for that. You know what I mean? Like, it could escalate to something different. And your white friends have that privilege where they can walk around. And if they got pulled, you know, if they got stopped by the cops, they'd be like, just go home, whatever. Like, what are you doing out? Whereas as a black boy, he doesn't get those privileges. And I think for him, that's like, he's very, very aware of his role in society as a black man. And he's very aware of the consequences that come with that. Which for me is upsetting because obviously he's my baby brother, but like he is 15 and he is super tall and he does need to be aware of that now. That like it's fair game out there, you know? Like they they're not going to care how old he is or where he comes from or what affluent family or privilege, whatever. None of that matters when it's just him and a cop. You know what I mean? Yeah, which definitely. is unfortunate And like I'm sad that he has to be aware of that, but it also is important that he is aware of that. So yeah, I think now more than ever, um, we've been very conscious on like how to act if the police if police do cross over, um, what to do, what to say, what our rights are. That was all something that was made like very clear to us of what our rights are. Um and yeah, it's just unfortunate that like my brother can't stay out with his friends because there is that risk and that we have to always have our phones out and ready to record if something were to happen. You know, there's just these things that like you wouldn't think about until you have to you know until you're in that position where you have to constantly be conscious of it it's yeah it is unfortunate but that is the world that we currently live in
0: yeah because I've never yeah as I said never had to think about it you know the cops are my friend if I was in trouble you know did I just say cop I didn't (laughs) deny the (laughs) place uh the police <laughs> the police are my friend and yeah if I'm in trouble call the police because they're going to help whereas you know a lot of black people and rightly so you know they're not your friend and yeah. it's just unfortunate because they're really the only system in society that are supposed to be there to help you yeah. and they're not helping you right but I it
1: forward from the police movement has been like really really interesting because they're not saying like abolish all police they're saying why don't we put those funds into like healthcare workers who can address like mental illness crisis and like social workers to address homelessness like why don't we put these resources into other people who can address these situations more effectively than police who you know aren't trained to to do these things
0: also i wanted to talk about madison there who in the news, was suspected of organising a photo shoot, holding a Black Lives Matter sign, and not actually taking part in the protest. So, she was still about thirty feet away, um, on top of a car, with the sign in her hand, and a photographer taking pictures of her for about fifteen minutes. Um, she came out, and I think obviously de- denied that it was orchestrated. But I think even if she was part of the protest, to come away from the protest. To get a photographer, to stand on top of a car, take the pictures, post them on Instagram. I think it's definitely performative activism. I think there's no need to take a picture of you holding a sign to post on Instagram when you could um, you know promote petitions. Else. Yeah. I mean in the UK, yeah, literally anything else. Um, you know, educate yourselves, you know, protest, write to people in power well in the UK your MP. Um, without taking a selfie and putting it on Instagram, I mean, I know it could send a positive message by, you know, showing that she, you know, as a, an influencer, was at a Black Lives Matter protest. But overall, I think it was a really bad idea. And you know, post, she could have posted information, websites, petitions, and she chose to post her face. I mean, yeah. obviously, she is an influencer, so like her making the news was you know obvious but I've seen a lot of people from school when the blackout tuesday hashtag came about um so obviously that was posting a black square on your instagram and not um posting anything else for that day um I didn't take part in the hashtag because when I um was you know researching it and looking a lot of people were hashtagging it with black lives matter and you know during this time was when you know the protests were like rife you know in england i know there was a a few every day and people were using the black lives matter hashtag to promote their petitions information to educate people and then all of a sudden there was thousands if not millions of black squares with the hashtag black lives matter so if someone was to type in that hashtag it's going to come up with a black square with no information and you know you scroll through hundreds and hundreds of just black squares with no actual helpful information I mean I didn't feel like it was helpful and I thought it was just a trend you know I saw a lot of people post post the black squares but not Post links or websites. They just did the square. I think it was very performative, just to show people. Yeah, um, I've posted a black square. I support Black Lives Matter. Really, yeah, Remember, yeah, it. and not sign anything or not actually do anything to help the movement. Um, what's your opinion on performative activism and the Blackout Tuesday hashtag?
1: Yeah, so um, I think this is really interesting, especially in the age of like social media, because obviously we've been dealing with civil rights issues and civil rights movement for way too long. But I think social media is like a new lens to this. Like obviously, how are TikTokers responding to this? How are Instagram influencers responding to this? You know, these are things that we haven't seen um, in the past. So as far as the um, like Blackout Tuesday posting, um, I think that it had the potential to be really like impactful. Um, But I think a lot of people missed the point of it. And I think it was like really good that you researched it and like understood what it was about because there were a lot of people who I I honestly believe they just woke up, looked on social media, saw everyone was pushing black square and they're like, oh, like I should do this too. No idea what this is, I have no idea what it's about, but everyone else is doing it. So I should get on the trend. And again, it becomes this trend, which is just ridiculous. But the idea of the Blackout Tuesday was for non-Black people to silence their social media accounts, not silence completely, silence in regards to no one cares for going to the beach or taking your dog on a walk or what you ate for breakfast, silence all those things. You can still be posting anything that's to do with information for Black Lives Matter, anything that's to do with protests, anything that is actually beneficial and helpful, or you could be highlighting Black artists, Black activists, Black writers, highlighting the Black community and allowing them to have a day where the platform is theirs to use and to say what they want. That is what the point of Blackout Tuesday was. So posting a Black square, and I I saw this, posting a Black square and then posting your beach picture in the same day just totally contradicted the point of the whole Blackout Tuesday. It was supposed to be to highlight black individuals to use the platform for whatever they had to say on that day, whatever they wanted to say, to be heard. Um, and I think the intention was there and it could have been really effective. But as far as the people who just posting it and didn't even know why they were posting it or posting it while they were like really while really genuine, they really genuinely do not care about the Black Lives Matter movement is really just it's like kind of a, you know a little bit insulting, just like really frustrating. And that by no means goes to the people who are trying to be active and are trying to post the right thing and mess up because I've also seen a lot of that or I had friends come to me saying like what's the right thing to post like I don't want to post the wrong thing I don't want to make mistakes I say to them like make those mistakes post whatever you feel is right and if people take offense to that or if black people don't think that's the right thing to say let them educate you let them tell you hey, this isn't really the right way to go about it. Like, I appreciate you trying to help and trying to post, but maybe post this instead. Maybe this is how you should say it, you know, things like that. And so I think it's better to say like something and be wrong than to say nothing and like, because you want to like protect your image because that's the whole point. Well, one of the points of this whole movement is learning, is growing from where we are. If you stay silent because you're scared of how, whatever your friends are going to react, whatever, whatever then you're not taking that risk to learn and to grow, you know? Like, if you make a mistake, great. Like, take on that uh, criticism and learn from it and know what is right to say um, instead of maintaining your silence and just being ignorant about it, you know? When you posted the blackout square and then either did their research after or were informed by people um, and decided to take it down and said, you know what, this isn't helpful or I used the wrong hashtag. So I just decided to delete my post. That is fine. Like that's good. They tried it. They realized it wasn't the right approach. They took it down and they learned from it, you know? So I think with that, the blackout square, um, definitely um, the intention was there. I think it was flawed just because a lot of people weren't sure why they were posting it or they were using the wrong hashtag, which again, you know, distracted from what was really going on. But I think the idea of having that unity and having that solidarity was pretty cool. Like people who use the right hashtag, if you went through the hashtag, like seeing it completely blacked out, seeing like your whole feed blacked out, well, uh, apart from things that were actually like informational, was was pretty powerful. It's pretty cool that people can genuinely come together and all put a whole day on hold and things like that you know so I think the idea was definitely there and it would have it you know parts of it were very successful but um I do hope that people learn from it and well first of all learn to do their research before posting things you know because I think there are a lot of people who had no idea why they were posting a black square or what it was supposed to do or that they were supposed to highlight black voices you know um but yeah but I don't know I think that like in an age of social media it's interesting to see that like unity can make a difference and that like solidarity even if it is just a post. Like it was pretty cool to see people come together for that. Um obviously I just like to hope that they were posting it for the right reasons and doing their research. The idea of that was to keep signing petitions and donating money on that day, you know, not to just completely go silent and stop thinking about it, but to do more behind the scenes. Um and as uh, as for like performative activism, the whole like Madison Bear thing is just I mean her uh, <laughs> doing a photo shoot at a Black Lives Matter protest, I think is very insulting. And she's quite literally capitalizing on Black deaths because we're having these protests because of Black deaths and all every other uh, systemic issue that we have with Black lives. But, you know, her getting however many millions or thousands of likes on Instagram is her capitalizing on that. That I think is very insulting. Um, um, but, Formative activism, I think, is, like, not a, like, contested subject, but I feel that it's, like, quite difficult just because there's plenty of people who aren't posting anything and have signed every petition out there, donated to every cause out there, have gone to every protest every march and not posted about it, in which case you can't say, like, you don't post on Instagram, you haven't done You know what I mean? Like, you can't, it's really hard to, like, compare things to social media, which I think is, like, Now, like a like strange development. So I think with formative activism, it comes down to like you're the only person who genuinely knows why you posted what you posted. Like, did you post it to be woke and be trendy and keep up with all your friends? Or did you post it because you genuinely care and you're taking action like off of social media? Um, and I think um posting a picture of you to protest is not it's not telling me anything, you know. Like I'd rather like that's that's not gonna do anything. But if you're posting um, links to donations and petitions and representative information and contact information and anything that is beneficial to this cause, go for it. Because I think in that sense, even if it is performative, even if you haven't donated a single penny, even if you're not having tough like difficult conversations with your family and friends, and you're not really like engaged in the movement, I would like to think that at least if you're posting a link to a petition or some instagram story that you saw your friends doing i'd like to think that at least that post could have reached one person on that you know follows you that maybe you may even stop and think you know so i would say that the useless posting is useless but posting information even if it is performative um i'd like to, I, I would hope that it can have some small benefit you know if it has one person sit and think about what you posted or like have a conversation or look into it or look at that post and do some more research, then it is, it can be beneficial. But yeah, I think that is like a really weird, you know, kind of like addition to this movement is like where does social media play a role? Because social media is like scarily powerful. Like it can really bring people together and can really spread information quickly, which can be like super beneficial and super positive if it's used the right way. But, yeah, I think it definitely just comes down to, like, an individual thing. Like, you have to know, first of all, why you're posting it and, like, your group of people that you hang out with or that you interact with in your family just, like, know what their intentions are, whether they posted on something um, or they haven't and they're doing tons of work, you know, offline. It's just, like, important to know, like, who you're surrounding yourself with Um, and to have those conversations with friends. Like, I've called out friends and... Um, In the height of it, and then like, why? Why are you silent? Why is your social media account have nothing to do with this? And they were like, oh, you know, again, I didn't know what to say. I didn't know what the right thing to say was. Not say anything at this point. You have a following of a couple thousand people. You posting literally anything is beneficial. Like, use that platform for good. So, in that sense, I think it is important for like Instagram influencers and people to say say something because they have so many followers that look up to them. And do everything they do so if there's like hey i signed this petition you should do the same all of madison's beer followers will at least go in with the petition you know what i mean so yeah weird new addition to this movement but could be used in a very very powerful way
0: it would be unfair to obviously tarnish all of trump's supporters with the same brush um you know by saying they all have prejudices against ethnic minorities and religious minorities. Um, but obviously it would also be equally um, inaccurate to say that they don't. Um, it's a well-known fact that the Republican Party, going as far back to, I think, uh, Nixon's southern strategy, um, used strategies that appealed to bigotry, um, you know, lacing speeches with dog whistles, um, that signal prejudice towards minorities and you know were designed to be only heard by racists and no one else but i think um with trump being president and how he conducts his um speeches um they're, they're direct they're more shocking and i think him doing that has you know led to his um supporters and you know the karens of the world to think what they're saying is fine to think that you know that example you said about um the park and the person that called the police like they think that's fine because you know trump has um called muslims dangerous um mexican immigrants rapists and murderers and if your president is saying that he's not um covering it up he's not Pretending he's genuinely coming out and said Mexican immigrants are rapists, then what does that have to say for his supporters? Because how could you support a man like that and have, you know, and and say you're not racist? Because even if you are not racist, you have voted for a racist president. I think, you know, his supporters and the way they behave in society is very much stemmed from the way Trump speaks. I think if he didn't say things like that, if you know, he wasn't as racist, even though he's still racist, if he wasn't as openly um, you know, saying all these slurs, then would his supporters be more, you know, would they still be going out and calling out black people for walking down the street? You know, do you think um Americans racism has gotten worse under Trump or do you think it's always been like this but because Trump's president it's it's been shown more
1: yeah coming out yeah that's really interesting um so like a couple points that you brought up I think as far as like Trump supporters um I think especially like recently literally in the past like couple months if you can still support this man, the things that he said and the things that supports Black Lives Matter, like there is just no, you can't support him and not, you know what I mean? you And not be racist. Like there's just no, there, there is a crossover there. Um, and the people, I know a lot of people have said like, oh, I'm fiscally conservative and liberally democratic. There's also a problem with that because, you know, people who said that they voted for Trump because of his, um, economic plan and what he would do for the government or whatever for the country. There's also an issue with that because his his plan of action for the economy and being, like, fiscally conservative but liberally democratic, um, that whole fiscally conservative part is also just oppressing minorities. Like, the only reason that you could get tax cuts or whatever is because they're taking the budget from, you know, from, like, uh whatever minority schooling systems and communities so like to say that you're fiscally conservative and liberally democratic also contradicts itself because you cannot agree with his um fiscal and economic plans and also be for the liberation of all human beings it just it doesn't work because his points are oppressing other people while they might be helping you like you can't also be liberally like democratic if that makes sense um it might you know I, I was confused
0: about my hands
1: Um, yeah, so as far as like racism in America getting worse with Trump, definitely like not true. Racism has always been here. It has been very present. Um, I think what's interesting is with the um murder of George Floyd, with those with that video circulating and like right as that all happened and people started posting on social media um a lot. I saw a lot of white people posting posting the video or posting something about George Floyd's um, murder saying, this is shocking. I can't believe this happened. I'm shocked, blah, blah, blah. And saying like, I'm shocked is so, uh, it's it, it's insulting because that just goes to show that you have just been completely oblivious to what's been going on for black people. George Floyd was not the first black man to be murdered. You know what I mean? Like. Yes, it's great this movement came about, but it is so late. This movement should have been about since the civil rights movement in the sixties, you know, like why are we still fighting these battles? Why are you still protesting for the same causes? That's just crazy. Um, So to say, I'm shocked. I can't believe this is happening. This is happening every single day, like right in front of you and you just were not aware of it until today. Great that you are now aware of it and that you're educated and that you're like reading more about this and you're realizing this is a huge problem. Don't say I'm shocked when you see a black man murdered because. Black men and all black people have been murdered for so long. This is not a new, you know, development. This is nothing new. We've seen this time and time again. Um, so yeah, that's the first thing. Um, for people who are saying I'm shocked, that's just ridiculous. You shouldn't be shocked. Or if you are shocked, then you should be reading up more about this. Definitely. Um and I think that Trump has President Trump has definitely fueled this, uh, all the like overt racism that we're seeing in America. It was always there. But I think him being the president of the United States is just provoking people. And he he's supposed to set an example for the citizens of America, which is a scary thought that he's the person who's supposed to be setting an example. But he is, he's supposed to be setting an example. And people look to him with how to respond to what's going on um, in this political climate. And so when he says things like Black Lives Matter you know, it's it's a terrorist group. Like, uh, it's just, what what image does that show to people? You know, your followers are listening closely to you. He probably has, like, the biggest stage in the world. Like, you know, like, so many people look to what he's saying, um and he's not setting a good example. So I think he is definitely fueling all the Karens and all the racists of the country, and basically saying, it's okay to say what you're saying because I'm saying it. You know, if the most powerful man in the country Is saying these things, why shouldn't every other ordinary person be able to say them? You know, that's the mindset that he's allowing. Um, So I think he is definitely allowing people to feel like it's completely normal. And he's sending this message that makes people think that it's like allowed to harass black people and to be like openly racist and, you know, all this bigotry that's going on. It's nothing new. I think it's just like a lot more. Out in the open people who were once afraid to say what they said but always thought it are now like going out and saying it and I mean I just heard a story I think it was no I don't want to say the wrong state I'm not sure where exactly it was but it was somewhere like up north um where there was a young girl probably around our age who was black and she was driving and a car pulled up next to her I think it was three white boys and they uh at a whatever a red light and they were yelling racial slurs to her and they threw um, lighter fluid on her and set her on fire in her car. And like, thankfully she's alive. Um, but it's like these things, yes, they they happen. And I feel like they happen all over the place, but specifically in the South, but to see them happening now, like in the North, which is supposed to be a lot more progressive and a lot more liberal, um, just goes to show that um, the, bigotry and the racism that's around is definitely like very present and very relevant all over the country and think you're just seeing a lot more of it um and so like I think as far as people um saying that like it wasn't this bad it hasn't been this bad I think there's a lot of factors that go into that that yes it has always been this bad I feel like a lot of people just haven't been aware of it um And I think with like the use of like cell phones, we're seeing a lot more filming of this like police brutality and these like police murderings of black people um, that we weren't seeing before. This was happening all the time. And the scary part, the part that gives me like chills that it is still happening literally on a daily basis. Like how many cases weren't filmed on video that we haven't seen, you know, that got away with it. It's just like absurd. So I think we're definitely literally physically seeing more Um, than we were in the past. It was always there, we just never saw it, and we were never aware of it, Um, but I think with, like, the filmings um, of these murders, we are literally forced to confront these issues and to see it, Um, so I think it's always been there. I think people just haven't always been aware of it, Um, so yeah, the idea of, like, being shocked by what's going on is kind of absurd because it's been going on, and why should you be shocked? It's happening literally all the time. You just Haven't seen a video of it and you haven't been aware of it, you haven't been conscious of it. But yeah, I think um, President Trump has definitely provoked it and made matters worse. Like with the whole, with the, with what's been going on recently after George Floyd's murder, like he, I don't think he's actually ever, I don't think he has yet to say like Black Lives Matter or like I support this movement, which I'm sure he doesn't, but him not saying it is just fueling it even more, you know? Like the, I don't know if you saw the photo op where he um whatever tear bombed protesters to get to the church to take the photo it's just like why like you were like you're just like adding fuel to the fire you know um so i think he's handled this possibly in the worst way he possibly could um and it's definitely not helping um, and there's just so many things that he could have said and done in these past uh, few weeks to address the situation. He just seems to be like, ignoring it. It's just—it's definitely upsetting to see. So he's definitely provoking it. But racism has always been probably this bad in America, and I think people just, you know, really aren't seeing it. And I know, interestingly, like since these protests, there um, in California, I've heard of numerous cases. And actually, my mom's just telling me the case probably 30 minutes from where I live in like another town in New Jersey of um, black people being lynched and um, police officers reporting it as a suicide. And it's things like that. It's just like, there's racism here and like maybe people have not been getting the full story for years. People haven't been seeing it, but like it is still very prevalent to say a lynching is suicide and to put it off as that. It's just like, crazy in this political climate, you know, Um, and it's just like really sad to see that people need video evidence in order to believe that Black people are being murdered, you know, it's like Black people have been saying for years, we're being murdered, the police are not treating us correctly, you know, we need to do something about it, and it, it, no, no action is taken by like white allies or like the community until there's a video of it, and then people are like, oh, I'm shocked. It's like we've been telling you for years that this is happening. Just wake up and see it. Like, just believe us. Why do you have to have video footage of it? You know?
0: Did you see his? He well, he kept tweeting during the protest. I'm not sure what he said, but basically, like to open fire on the yeah. protesters. Yeah. um When these tweets came out, I know you, you know, it's. I mean, it's not shocking that these are people's views, but i would say correct me if i'm wrong as it was shocking to see the president say that
1: yeah yeah but would
0: you like was that would you like did you see that and when you were like yeah i saw that coming
1: yeah at this point it's like every tweet he puts out everything he says publicly it just it's just like I feel nauseous and I can't even say that I'm surprised at this point. It's like nothing he says can surprise me anymore. It's because everything, nothing is out of pocket for him. Everything he says, it's like, you know what? He would say that. He would publicly say that and not care about the consequences of that. And that's like scary that we don't hold the president of the United States to like a higher standard where he can literally tweet whatever he wants and people are like, (sighs) like here he goes again. Like what is it this time? You know, it's literally just like It it doesn't feel like it's real life. Like sometimes I read, I'm like, who who allows him to say this? How is he? It just yeah, how does he get away with
0: saying exactly crazy to think that
1: like some supporters like still support him and still follow him and still agree with everything he's saying? You know, Uh, it's yeah, it's shocking. But I think I don't know. I think it's been interesting. Obviously, it has not been good having him as president. But I think having Trump as president has really like brought a lot of light to like the systemic issues that this country has had for so long that I think people have either been aware about and like chose to ignore because they don't want to address it um, or just were really not aware of it. And so I think, you know, we can pull anything positive out of his presidency is that hopefully people are now like really waking up to what is happening in america and what needs to be changed and where we can go from here it's you crazy know crazy everywhere that's why i think yeah. it's been really good to see that the protests obviously like started in america they've gone worldwide you know they've been protesting so many countries um as a result of like george floyd's murder and i really hope that this doesn't you know die out and this isn't a trend and people give up and stop fighting because change needs to happen everywhere like the uk the u.s literally all over the place um you know just all minorities just deserve better and like black people black lives like should matter all over the world and it's just not just a u.s problem you know obviously we have plenty of our own issues with it and the like, guns and all of it, you know, it all just like intertwines with each other. But in the UK, like there is like just as much um racism, like very like present there. And they definitely have um you know, like the UK government definitely has like a role to play in making those changes. I don't think that they're immune to racism, you know, because as a black person I've come from here where it's just awful. And I've gone there where it's just as bad, just in a different way, you know?
0: Yeah. So I hope, I really
1: hope this, like, makes a change in the world and that people wake up and realize that, yeah, it's a U.S. problem that we really need to focus on. But it also, like, check your own community. Like, check yourself. Like, I don't know. I I think it's been really, uh, there's been, like, a lot of stories I've heard of people who've been like, yeah, because of this, um, I really had to kind of look inward and, like, realize that like I had own bias and things, you know, things like that. So it's sometimes the most like liberal white person who is supposed to be a white ally has like stopped and been like wait a second, some of these things you know that I am preaching about don't line up with what I actually think. So, yeah, I really hope it's been like changed, like changed a lot of like perspectives, a lot of views. It's been like eye-opening. Um, I think just the research alone, people like educating themselves is like one of the most important things. We're not going to fix it like anything. Well, obviously it's like you can fix everything top down, but we also need to be fixing everything like bottom up with like people's just like mindsets and things like that. So I don't know. That's, I, you know, I like to end on like a hopeful note that, you know, hopefully it shouldn't have had to come to this and to George Floyd's like murder. And there have been Countless other murders since George Floyd's murder, which we also can't forget, you know, um, that it didn't just end with him and the protests, that there's been cases since then. But I would, you know, like to be optimistic and hopeful that things can change and people will educate themselves and go out and vote and really check their own communities and check their own bias. And I don't know. I would like to think that we can uh, work towards a better and more equitable life need people like you who will educate themselves and then start these conversations it's just so important so thank you